Madison's Alternative 1067, The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by the Kaleidoscope Kid. Hello. Hey, what's up? I'm grateful <laughs> to be here. How did you come up with the name Kaleidoscope Kid? Um, I was actually, I was living in Sedona, Arizona at the time, and I was kind of just like out in the woods a lot. And there was a lot of inspiration from that, like kind of a wild, wild west feeling. And uh, I remember always thinking of Billy the Kid. So I was originally working on like a concept called Kaleidoscope Blues, and they kind of just morphed to like blue and the Kaleidoscope Kid. I thought it had like, uh, it, it felt like it resonated with me in that in that respect. You have a new song, Watermelon Kisses. Will you tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind that? Watermelon Kisses was, it was like a really, a beautiful moment in my life. It was inspired by a lot of love that was happening and, you know, a beautiful woman that came into my life. I was kind of in a place where I had just gotten over heartbreak. I was still a little young and and, uh, moving through some stuff. So that was just like coming specifically from being in that new relationship and just feeling like I wanted to sing about it. You know what I mean? So, and we had a garden where we were at. And so we spent a lot of time in the garden and uh, we had watermelons growing there. And so that was kind of like also uh, a plan on it, just, uh, you know, watching her in the garden and take care of the plants and stuff in the morning and things like that. So. Is that beautiful woman still in your life? Uh, she is a dear friend of mine, for sure. She's a, a very good friend of mine, but uh, she's, uh, I think, in Hawaii now or something. But we speak every once in a while. So she knows the song is about her. Oh, she knows. Or yeah. influenced by her, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she knows. Your musical inspirations span mul- multiple genres. It goes all over the place. Has music always been a really big part of your life? And where did you get introduced to some of those influences? For me, I always look back and because I didn't pick up the guitar until I was 21, almost 22. And so I'm tw- 29 now. So the prior to that, um, when I was younger, I had really delved into a lot of psychedelics and things like that. And I always would pair a lot of that with music. So I felt like before I even picked up the guitar, I was learning what I liked about music at internal level, at an emotional level, at an intuitive level. And so when I did pick up the guitar, I felt like I had such a, a great understanding of what I liked about music that I knew I had a clear vision of what I kind of, uh, how I wanted to express myself. And you kind of have these influences that are more active rock, classic rock kind of sounding, but yet you also have this, like, you sound a lot like Beck in this new yeah. song. How does Beck come into play? I think Beck was a huge influence. I mean, just the way, not only uh, some of his earlier works, but just how he approaches music. I think he's never been one to like stay in a box. He's always kind of uh, explored new things and stuff like that. And that's something that I really personally love doing is just uh, stepping outside of my comfort zone and things like that. You know, just the way uh, he approached some of his hip hop songs that gave it like a different dynamic than you were used to hearing and other things. And, and, and the, some of the guitar riffs in there were just so unique. He's a very creative uh, out there person. Have you gotten to meet him? No, I, <laughs> that's one of those things where I'm like scared to meet him or something. Cause I'm like, I don't want to ruin the perception I have. <laughs> have you gotten to meet all, like any other musicians that you really looked up to? Not at the moment. I met Opie, who did um, the artwork for the Sublime Sun, which was like a huge thing. I'm really a big fan of Sublime. So that was awesome to see him perform and uh, to meet him backstage. And then also Bradley Knoll's wife was there. 
And uh, that was like, just, uh, it put a smile on my face for sure. And it was kind of a, it was crazy because he's also one of the influences where I don't think I would have started playing music or singing if it wasn't for Sublime and Bradley. Sublime was pretty much over. Yeah. Before you were really at an age where you could have appreciated it. That's another one where you kind of had to go back in time to appreciate it. Yeah, we grew up, I think growing up in the age of like LimeWire and digital downloading and stuff, we were just, whatever our curiosity sparked, we were able to get it. So it was, it was really cool. Do you remember the first song you ever downloaded? I want to say it was like some NWA or Cypress Hill. (laughs) No, actually it was, I remember the exact song. Uh, It was Busta Rhymes, Past the Cavassier back in the day. It was where he had all those features on it. So it was a Busta Rhymes song. Wow. I remember it because I had only heard the clean version of the song. And my mom was like, yeah, I'll let you download it. And we downloaded it. And it was not the clean version. And she looked at me like, what have you been listening to? So I remember that. <laughs> Getting a little bit of trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were diagnosed with, with writer syndrome. What is that? How old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was 21. Uh, a few months before I turned 22 and I had, uh, I had actually just picked up the guitar a few months before the diagnosis happened. And so I was already kind of, uh, that was like what I was waking up and thinking about every day. The first thing like, Oh, let's play the guitar. Let's mess around with it. I had woke up one day and if you've ever burned yourself, like, and got like a little water blister or something like that. Um, I woke up in the morning, I was brushing my teeth and a lot of blood started coming out of my mouth in pain. And I was like, what the heck? And so I lifted up my gums and there was all these like water blisters lying through it, but they were filled with blood. And so my immediate response was like, okay, I have like oral cancer or something like of that nature. I kind of just was like, all right, let's, you know, like hopefully this will go away. And I, I waited it out. And after about a week, and like, if you've ever burned yourself and got in the shower, like it stings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was extremely hard for me to drink water, uh, let alone eat with all these open wounds. And it, over that week, it took over my entire mouth, started to take over my eyes, the top of my skin as well. It started to do it, but it was really internally. And it had been like, I think 10 days or so. And I had not eaten anything at that point. And so my girlfriend at the time was like, yo, you're going to the hospital. We drove down to Phoenix. I was still on my parents' insurance. So I was like, yeah, we went down there. They took me to the hospital. And immediately the doctors were like, we don't know what this is. At first wanted to quarantine me. And they were bringing in infectious disease doctors and all these things. And so I didn't know what was happening. But at that point, like I said, I could not drink water. I couldn't eat things like that. So they're giving me IVs and they started to give me some antibiotics, hoping that it would reduce the whatever was going on. And so they spent five days just testing me for everything. And at the end of the day, they gave me a symptomatic diagnosis because there is no test for writer syndrome. So I displayed some of the uh, symptoms of Writer's Syndrome, but as opposed to it being on the mucous membrane and in the mouth and in the in, uh, going through the body, a lot of the Writer's Syndrome cases show it on the palms of the hands and the base of the feet. So they were just assuming that it was a very intense case that it was spreading because it does attack the mucous membrane. And the antibiotics started to work, so it was getting better. And so they told me that uh, they were like, well, of all the diseases that you could get, this one's not uh, not the worst. Like you'll probably never have it this bad again, you know? And I was like, all right, cool. And, uh, I had like a month of recovery. And I remember in that, like, I got checked out of the hospital. They gave me some more antibiotics 
because I couldn't even sing or, or drink, like I couldn't even sing as well. It was very in, uncomfortable to try to sing and stretch out all those wounds in there. And so I was just writing in my journal and playing guitar. And I, I would wake up and it was a lot of like uh, self-care and things like that. And I'd feel overwhelmed at times. But anytime I picked up the guitar and started writing, it would seriously be like the walls would fall apart. There was times where it would just bring me to tears because of how it allowed me to kind of be completely present and rather than thinking in the past or thinking in the future. And so I think in that month was where the bond with my music really became just cemented in there. But then after that, it was about a month later and I got hit again with the, the illness. And so at that point, I went to a rheumatologist who specializes in autoimmune diseases and they were like, all right, well, we're going to give you more antibiotics. But we, after the second round of antibiotics, we're not going to be able to give them to you anymore. You're going to have to either take methotrexate, which is essentially a form of chemotherapy to suppress the immune system. So it doesn't attack itself. And my family in particular, uh, like my mom receives infusions of uh, methotrexate, which next to like people who are receiving chemotherapy um, because she has such a, a debilitating autoimmune condition. My dad also takes shots of uh, different things like that to, to help it. So I had already had grown up with uh, an understanding of it. And I'd always felt like there was another way for it to be approached. After that second time of getting sick, I took the antibiotics and I moved back to Sedona. And I was like, all right, I'm going to space these antibiotics out. And while I space them out, I'm going to seek alternative forms of healing. That opened up a door to all these different worlds and nothing was working at all. Eventually, I had probably two or three pills left of the antibiotics. A friend of mine who had just moved in with me, he was really big. Like we went up to Sedona, Arizona to start collecting spring water. That was something that we were really passionate about, collecting living water from these springs and, and just like taking care of our health and things like that already. So he uh, introduced me to what's known as the reishi mushroom. Nowadays, you can find it in coffees and in uh, people's drinks. Like it's really has a lot of uses in, and I see it more and more over the past years in different things. But what it was classified as in the Chinese medicine was an, it was an autoimmune system re-educator. So whether your immune system was too high or too low, it, it would understand how to bounce out. It's also known as the uh, mushroom of immortality. There's a, also a berry that's called camu camu berry, and it has an extremely high concentration of vitamin C. And for some reason, vitamin C allows you to absorb the nutrients that the mushrooms would offer you eight to 10 times easier than they would be able to otherwise. So in the reishi mushroom combination with the camu camu berry, I took that when I was having a flare up and within three to five days, I was experiencing what would normally take the antibiotics up to like two to three weeks. So it was just this extreme relief and this like curiosity for what other potentials, not only were there in like a non-psychedelic mushrooms, just medicinal. And my whole intention was with it that if I could get through the flare-ups without dying, then my immune system would maybe the next time understand it a little bit better and be like, let's try this next time. And so just keep re-educating my immune system because for 21 years, I wasn't. Over the past seven years of going through that, I've also incorporated things like cold therapy and Wim Hof breathing as well, which have been tremendous as far as like helping me through those. But it's been two years now since I've had any flare-ups. So I'm hoping to keep it up that, you know, every once in a while, I might see like a little rash or something on my skin, but I'll know to just incorporate some stuff. So it seems like the theory is, has evolved to this and I'm still here. Have you shared that? your personal experience with any doctors or holistic healers? 
I have shared it with my mom's rheumatologist and she comes from Eastern medicine. Uh, she grew up in a, in a different country out there. And so it's a little bit less resistant to it. She was very open when hearing about it. And like, you could see her brain kind of going and she was like, what's it called this? And so my mom still tells me, she's like, she asks about you all the time. Like, you know, like, how are you doing? That's amazing that, you know, he's doing this thing. So, and, and like, I, and for me personally, like, it's something that I would never tell anyone that like, this is the key, but it worked for me. So it's something that I think is worth people looking into for sure. When you had just learned how to play guitar, you taught yourself how to play guitar, then all of this happens and writers can affect your joints and cause inflammation and arthritis. Did it affect your playing? It was the, the arthritis symptoms that I was experiencing were specific to my hips. I'm not sure why, if it was just had just chosen it, but thankfully, um, as far as like the arthritis pain, I didn't have too much. But the real thing was not being able to sing for sure. Like that was where it was like, it, I remember being like, please just let me sing again and I'll sing every day. Like it was like that kind of like making my, you know, like asking God for like, let's, uh, I got you, let's do this. Did you always sing? Was that something you started when you were young? No, I, I didn't really sing. I was always artsy as far as drawing and things like that. But, and I love music, but the thing that I, feel like open the door was when sublime songs would be on and I'd be singing them along. My friends would be like, you sound pretty good. Like, and I'd be like, all right. And I remember when I was probably like 16, my, one of my buddies built like a little recording studio in his bedroom, like put some wood panels up and built it and and all that. And I recorded a cover of, uh, of a sublime song. It was, uh, Ramona that was like the first time I ever was in front of a microphone I was doing like a sublime cover and then it probably seven years later the next time I was recording an original song so when you mentioned visual art you grew up on skateboarding outdoor escapism and your visual art is definitely showcased in some of the giveaways you've been doing Mm -hmm. on Instagram is that something you plan on continuing to do for a long time Yeah, I think that I always, when I think about my career long term, I think that I'm someone that would love to um, explore in all the realms. Like I've always been interested in acting and writing movies. I've been working on character development for a children's story that I want to illustrate. And so it's like, I think that music is one of the things that that people connect with the most. And so I think that's going to help open up the door. I feel like as I establish myself in music, it's going to give me the resources I need to be able to publish a book later in life and to do these things. So it's all there and it's all on the burner, cooking and doing stuff. And then working with Suburban Noise and SRH right now, it's been cool going into some of the graphic design work and figuring out some merchandise stuff and things that revolve around their brand and their fan base and all that. So uh, it's something I, I love so much. And it's really, I feel like more meditative for me then the music is meditative but it's more expressive like uh and so the, with drawing i could just get lost in a drawing and not think for a, a while do you have to set aside time each day for different projects or do you just go where your heart tells you to go i have a to-do list every day you know and so i try to knock out a few of those things and dedicate a period of my time to being organized in the day and then at some point I like to just completely go off what whether I need to meditate and do yoga or do this just being listening to what it is sometimes I'll just be like oh, I'm going to sit at the piano and just because I listen to it I play this melody and I'm like that's amazing we need to record that and just listening to my intuition in that sense and trying to have that honest conversation with myself 
Your bio on Instagram says you were jumping on the social media train better late than never. Was yeah. that something that you just aren't into social media or was it more about privacy? It was just something that I never, I think I grew up right on the edge of uh, social media and technology to where it's like, when I think about my childhood up until I was probably 16, I didn't have like a phone. I, I maybe had like a little flip phone that I could call my mom on if I needed something or something. So I've never felt too connected to it. And it's something that like in the day and age we live in, I feel like it's good for me to plant seeds everywhere. So I know that it's important and there's an opportunity to connect with people and to bring value through social media. That has been what I've been approaching it with as of recently. It's like, how do I do this and how do I bring value to it? And how do I still be an honest reflection of myself in social media? Is Instagram the best way for fans to reach out to you and follow you? Yeah, Instagram. I Every time I open up Facebook, I get scared. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and, but Instagram I've had when I was younger, like uh, when I would do my artwork and stuff back in the day, I would post photos of it and this, that and the other. I never interacted too much outside of it. I would just post it, just post it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting just uh, you know stepping into it a little bit more and trying to have fun with it. Like uh, my manager and I, we talked about how do we have as much fun doing the social media stuff as we have when we're making a music video and like trying to just, uh, you know, make it all, all uh, connect with us. Is it uncomfortable for you to be out there like that? Or does it feel comfortable for you? Are you just a natural out there, vibrant person? It's funny because I feel like when I'm on stage or, or things like that, like I have so much charisma and I become very present. But with the social media stuff, a lot of the times it's kind of weird. You're like thinking about thinking about it. So that's where the disrupt is. It's like feedback, uh, like kind of thing. So there's like a feedback loop. But I always feel like when I if I feel resistance to something or if I feel uncomfortable about it. I know that there's some growth in it that can be had. And rather than look away from it immediately, I'm trying to step into it fully and be like, and use whatever resistance I may face as fuel to be like, okay, well, I know how, what I don't want to do with it, uh, which is important. So it allows me to understand what I do want to do with it. You shared your morning routine, lots of water, stretching and a workout. What about your breakfast? What's a typical breakfast for you? I am super big on juicing like and getting a lot of my nutrients through that up the first half of my day usually consists of mainly liquids so i love like even when i was i was living in my truck just kind of moving around from places for a while and i had two milk crates with some clothes i had a juicer uh, you know and so like whenever i could plug it in and do and be at a kitchen i would always do that so i love to make green juices and then usually i'll make like a, a sweet juice like i've been doing pineapple ginger uh, orange with a carrots or something like that or another one I do is strawberry orange ginger with some fresh mint leaves in it which really kind of like wakes you up so but yeah so that's that's I think hydrating it and then uh, the juice first thing in the morning would you ever start like a different Instagram just for your juices your holistic healing your stories about tripping in the woods <laughs> Yeah, no, I've thought about it before, uh, just to try to separate it. But I think if anything, I would, I would just keep it through the kaleidoscope kid and not, not focus on it so much as a music entity, but as who I am as a person. It is who you are as a person. Yeah.
yeah, I got a lot of good feedback from those posts and people, whether it was people saying like, Hey, you inspired me to stretch a little bit this morning and go hit my routine or do this, that, and the other. And so that made me feel really good. I was like, okay, cool. Like, and you said that you lived in your truck and you were just kind of driving around. You're going to go out on tour eventually. You're already prepared for it. Exactly. Exactly. I think I just, I mean, I think I've never felt like uh, I was going to be somewhere super long. And so I've always kind of kept it very minimal with what I own. It's always been able to fit inside of my truck. I lived in Sedona for probably a year collectively off just living in camping areas and different dispersed uh, forest areas where you could just go out for miles into the woods and there'd be people hunting or this, that, and the other. And uh, I would just set up a tent and go explore some stuff and hang out. And then I lived in Maui with uh, my dog and my girlfriend at the time. And we lived on an abandoned dull pineapple field on the edge of Jaws. And so we were in a Kia Soul at the time. So it was a little crunched up in the bed, but we made it work. And uh, that was a very humbling experience and as well. Yeah, you're definitely prepared for tour. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How did those experiences influence your music? Do you have songs specifically about some of those experiences? I definitely wrote a lot of music while I was in there. When I was in Maui, it was interesting just at the point I was in my life. I had moved to such a beautiful space and it was kind of a wake up moment for me because I had almost bit off a little bit more than I could chew. And so as much as there was a lot of beauty, there was a lot of growth that was happening. And so when I look back at some of the songs, for instance, that I wrote while I was in Maui, they were almost really angry because I was getting so much stuff out. And it felt like that was what I was at Maui in Maui to do. So rather than making some beautiful music, it was like, I was there kind of just like purging out some stuff and then it definitely inspired me. I mean, I still carry it with me. If I get overwhelmed or if I feel like I'm around a lot of people, or even when I get into meditations, a lot of the time, I'll go right back to like a cave that I was sitting in or like a specific location. And I'll be like, you know, almost like that was such a beautiful, peaceful time where there was just no, uh, nothing that I had to do or be or anything like that. So I think that that it's almost like looking at an old photograph and it brings you right back to it. It's just the mental photograph puts me right back in that state where I feel calm and I feel like, like I understand where my values are and what I need to be doing. Your new album, self-titled debut album, comes out April 22nd. What can we expect with this album? Is it going to be these songs that you just talked about? Is it a mix of everything? Yeah. So the album is nine songs total and Five of the songs were written during the time period in Sedona. So they were some of the first songs that I really sat down and produced and recorded my and had put together. And then when we were putting the album together, uh, we decided to add a few new songs to it as well. It was interesting because there were songs from where I'm at now and songs from where I just started living on the same project together. So there's a little bit of like, for me, it might seem incohesive, but I know that it's uh, new for people. I've just lived with the songs for so long that I'm like, okay, there's some songs on there that I'm really excited about. Like overall, I think it's going to be a, a beautiful project. And I love the artwork on it. That was done by a uh, Mossy Giant in Amsterdam, and he's done some incredible pieces with the uh, Amsterdam Cannabis Museum and uh, worked with all types of artists and things like that. And so having that artwork, I think anyone who sees it is going to be like, what is that? They get intrigued and then they're going to get into the album where you're going to hook them. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. We're going to check out Watermelon Kisses by the Kaleidoscope Kid right now on The Resistance. <laughs>